With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, New Wire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic. Joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. During the most wonderful movie time of the year, even in a pandemic, we've got so many movies coming out around Christmas. And I'm certainly very excited to go over them with you, Ann, because there's something comforting about the regularity of all that. Before we <laughs> before we go that deep, though, let's, let's rewind for a sec, because last week, we were stuck in this weird situation where we, we were sort of anticipating the critics groups while knowing that by the time the podcast got out there, that news cycle will, would have started. And indeed that happened, though I have to say, we more or less kind of anticipated the direction of these things with New York Film Critics Circle going to First Cow, LA Film Critics Circle went to Small Axe. Uh, so most that was of the a bit stuff of a surprise we, though, because they're well, taking a series and not identifying one movie. I, by the way, I spoke to um, I spoke to some of the people who work on that, and because yeah, you, you know some some people out there are like, hey, why can't Small X you like you know you uh, <laughs> why can't it be in the Oscar race, right? And and the answer is that they made a decision and it's not eligible. They didn't submit it. It's not going to happen. Yes. It can't change. Right. There's nothing they could do about it. And they made it uh, the decision purposefully because the only movie that could have been a real Oscar contender given its length and the kind of movie it is would be Mangrove. They would have had to decide to make Mangrove but- their film. Let me correct the record. I don't think it would make sense to submit Small Acts for the Oscars because to me, Small Acts actually is an anthology of five films. Maybe Lover's Rock and maybe Mangrove, especially something in Lover's Rock, you could argue because it's 68 minutes is more at like an episode just in terms of its concision. But Mangrove is a two hour it, movie. We both put it on our 10 bets. We yeah, both it, it I still it to think be a movie, it's, it's a great cinema. movie. It's cinema. I, I will say I don't have insight into the LA time, critics thing. I, I expected that there would be support for small acts for some of those entries because you saw it in the top 10 lists. It was an ongoing conversation about how the groups will approach this in the case of New York film critics, which also gave an award to small cinematography. um, There was, yeah, they both did. There was a conversation about this and the group voted to give it to the, uh, the entire package, which, to me, it does make sense because Shabir Kirshner, as a cinematographer, created this consistent kind of visual language for the movie. But I do think of Mangrove and Lover's Rock as such different cinematic experiences in other ways. So I, I would say, you know, those should be considered movies and submitted for Oscars because of that. They, to me, as an anthology, I've seen all five. They I actually don't know if all these critics have. I would have no objection to them doing it. But the fact remains that there was a deadline that they did not meet. I mean, it's not... Yeah, they're not going to do it. It's, so it does actually work in their favor to win some critics groups awards for small acts. That's part it. of an Emmy's campaign. Yeah, and it's totally. one of the rare times that would happen. But totally. but I do think it's it's less surprising in the sense that uh, these that, that first cow is a critics favorite. 
and and small acts is a, is is a critic's favorite and neither of those things are necessarily oscar front runners so it's the ultimate in terms of the critics group divide but at the same time does give lift in this particular season to movies that aren't necessarily getting the automatic attention that you know the marketing apparatus of awards sure. provides absolutely and promising young woman is another uh example of that um and it's interesting you know or, or sydney flanagan from never rarely sometimes always uh new york went with her uh and screenplay it, for that too screenplay is where it could happen for hitman for eliza hitman i actually believe that um for the Oscars, uh, I think Emerald Fennell is a longer uh, shot. And it's just because, I don't know how to explain this exactly, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always is uh, a very strong drama that uh, I think Academy uh, voters and, could, and, and writing uh, guild voters, writers guild voters could actually respond to strongly and, and like if they see it. Promising Young Woman is way more divisive and um, it's a harder sit. It's it's more challenging. It is a rigorous uh, uh, convention busting kind of movie, and that doesn't always go as well. It might with the writers. It's just that there's a lot going on in that category. It also hasn't had the same sort Those of categories. build up. I mean, it, that movie premiered at Sundance and then kind of vanished for a while, whereas some of the others we're talking about have had a consistent kind of conversation around them. So that has to be rebuilt. By way. the way, uh, the other thing I wanted to raise is that um, <laughs> Amazon is doing very well this season. They're certainly sending me a it's lot of gift packages. It's not all about <laughs> Netflix. I'm getting gift packages. They spend money like drunken sailors. You know, lots of food and alcohol coming my way. But Netflix, too, by the way. I, I signed a thing with Netflix saying I didn't want them to send me anything. Did they and find you anyway? I am finding uh, the shit coming. Sorry. Thank you, Netflix. I appreciate it. I'm not complaining. Um, not all swag is created equal. Some swag is more appreciated than, than others. We can say that indefinitely. I got you know, people work really hard to figure this stuff out, and sometimes it's really creative. So They have a little incredible. short about uh, Sophia Loren's, you know, I should remember it. That's why they send the stuff. Yeah, so that one, that's just very smart it. to do it for a short film. Kudos. <laughs> I got all this Italian I had no idea that Italy. existed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so I'm lo losing my thread. Amazon is definitely doing well. Sound of Metal is the the dark horse that is moving steadily forward. The buzz on it is, exists. You know, in a in a season when there is no buzz, and so we have Riz Ahmed actually moving into Best Actor. Uh, he was a runner up for the critics, and we have. Um, Borat. New York, right? Don't forget about Borat. Well, Sound of Metal didn't win anything, gonna but... She's going to get in there, absolutely. Maria Bakalova, one supporting actor, yeah. She's going to get in there. And 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 the and Paul Rocky, uh, or, you know, the the the, the actor, the supporting comes actor from in a Sound real of Metal, family. Yeah. who was raised by a deaf he's family. breakout. Sign language is his first language, and English is second. So he's playing a deaf man in the movie and he's very good and i love yeah. that, that i was actually happen. thinking about that conversation we had a good piece by Kristen lopez on the site with him but uh there's this movie on day one sunday it's called coda with marley matlin that that has a bunch of deaf actors in it and i bet that when that movie plays if it's the kind of tear-jerking crowd pleaser that they're sort of presenting it to be and it stirs up an immediate conversation about 
uh, deaf representation in film, it could even work into the favor of the still developing Oscar campaign oh around Sound of Metal. Well, I don't mean to be hideous about it, um, but disability, when actors take it on, is is a thing. It, it works. It's a challenge, and it's, it's dramatic, and uh, Riz Ahmed just does such a great job with it. And the other thing that I think is worth noting about the critics groups is the Netflix movie that didn't do the Netflix movies that we you might have thought would do well didn't, but one that actually did was *The Five Bloods*. And perhaps it's worth acknowledging that this campaign has been fairly consistent for this movie. I mean, uh, since it came out earlier this year, it never totally vanished. And Spike Delroy Lindo's win. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased. And, and, and Spike Lee is, you know, as you know, he has two movies, <laughs> you know, uh, so it's not hurting him that everybody loves American Utopia as well. But and here's I- the, Death Five Bloods has scale. That's the thing. And there's so few films that do. And the other one that has scale that's doing well um, is um, One Night in Miami, um, which is opening. And, Although uh, that's more minimalist I hope in a people way. see it. But but the five bloods, I have an ulterior motive for bringing it up, which is that the special award the New York Film Critics Circle voted to give Spike Lee was one that right. I, I proposed. And I proposed it, um, even everybody voted to pass it. So it's, it's a representative of what the group wanted to do. But I proposed it in part because it seemed unlikely that the five bloods or American Utopia would be a, an absolute winner. And Spike Lee has never won it from New York Film Critics Circle, which is crazy because he's such a definitive such New, a New York, York filmmaker. Guy. Such a figure so, at NYU and everything. Yeah, and, and this was a great year for him. I mean, with the narrative around Spike was was really powerful when Black Klansman came out. But if you look at this year, what he did with his short film, New York, New York, and then the fact that he was such a vocal figure, uh, you know, anti-Trump pushing back starting with Black Klansman, I think, but continuing into this movie and with American Utopia, the Get Out the Vote campaign, it's like we have to acknowledge how valuable Spike was for the culture this year in in a broader way, even if we're not necessarily giving him best director or whatever. But I would suspect that the fact that he's getting a special award with Delroy and Linda winning and Chadwick Boseman winning supporting actor for Defy. That Bloods. surprised me. Now I do expect him to get nominated for the first time competing. You know, he's got two two categories going uh, for a posthumous uh, possible Oscar. Um, I think he is the lead contender and best actor. I don't think anyone can take that away from him. Not even Anthony Hopkins, who <laughs> deserves to win. But sorry, um, it's it's just the way it is. These narratives become very powerful, and you can't uh, deny them. Uh, Ma Rainey's doing well too. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's no surprise a, there. I mean, that's that's going to be a, an actor's thing all across the board. Someone was asking me the other day, is, this, is Ma Rainey's going to be the kind of movie that transcends the actor showcasing and becomes a director picture kind of contender? And it's I personally, it's hard for me to picture that because of, I, it's, it's a play. I mean, I'm 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 involved in a group um, uh, thing over at um, the LA Times has a has an awards uh, section, and there's a group of us that had to come up with ten uh, for each of the categories. And I did realize that George C. Wolf wasn't really in my top five. He deserves a lot for doing a great job, and I'm the only reason I question 
the screenplay too is that it's August Wilson who dominates that in the end as the auteur. And, and that's just a perception thing. It doesn't mean it's fair, but it, it, it is, I think, how they're going to look at it. It seems kind of fair. I mean, it's a cha- it's, it, it is a, a challenge to, to explain to people that it isn't just a play, because when you watch it, there are things about it that feel very much like watching a play, just people in a room. I like to think of August Wilson as our Shakespeare, you know, his language is absolutely definable. No one else could have written it and it has its own rhythms and it, it sometimes works well uh, in, in movie form. Uh, I want to see the whole century cycle. I want to see every single one. Denzel has. Yeah. If, if Denzel gets his Netflix. wishes, he'll, he'll keep pushing them along. Yeah. Two down and eight to go. Why not? Exactly. It'll be an interesting couple of years in that respect because they can crank stuff out. They, it's, it's not, you, you shouldn't assume it'll take 20 years to make those movies. So we'll see what happens on that front. But yeah, I think, I, I mean, the Five Bloods thing, just I thought that was notable. Clearly, there was a sense with the Chadwick thing that if he's going to win in supporting actor, then it should be for a movie where he really is the supporting actor as opposed to Ma Rainey. But it, it is a little bit strange. And yet what it does is it, it I think, overall elevates the profile of the Five Bloods at a, at a critical moment. Absolutely. People are going to remember it. So because I remember when this movie came out, we were talking about will this they'll have to reintroduce this movie because it's going to be so long from now when award season really picks up. And, and it that still is. I mean, the, the the I think it's great that New York and L.A. decided to stick to the usual deadlines as opposed to Critics' Choice and the Globes and National Board of Review, which is usually the first one out of the gate. And we're waiting for them now. It's interesting. You guys were first this time. Um, but it's going to be a while That's fine. before Let the rest of them come the Globes. down the pike. NBR wants to chase the awards conversation and, and be in the thick of that. Whereas the critics groups have always enjoyed be, sort of leading so the charge. So we we have, uh, you know, the truth. <laughs> Look, if time. first cow is somehow, if they, if, if, if oh, Rudin and Co decide to, to put some effort into campaigning for it, you never know anything is, but people love this movie. Filmmakers love this movie. Pedro Almodovar, Bong Joon-ho. It makes a difference that there's a lot of respect for the movie at the end of the year. So I wouldn't completely. It's a really good movie. It's a very slow movie, a very deliberate Kelly Reichert movie. It is what it is. Yeah. Some people love it. Moonlight. (laughs) Some people don't. But the other thing I think is is kind of interesting about this. Moonlight never uh, felt slow, not for one second. It moved right along. Yeah, but but it there was always a lot going on. It was a patient rhythm in a way. I mean, I, I think that we shouldn't discount that there are a lot of people who like First Scout. I have been surprised by how many people I talk to who aren't necessarily incredibly engaged cinephiles who have had fairly positive responses to this movie. But the other thing that I think is worth noting is the Nomadland factor, because there were some people, a lot of people reach out to the critics group voters, at least to me, beforehand. And you can tell when they're trying to spin you if they're, you know, award season publicist, because when they say, do you think this movie or performance has a shot? Really what they're doing is trying to plant it in your head, you know? But a lot of people were sort of like, well, Nomadland can't win everything, right? Like there was this assumption, I think. I that think it Nomadland was is still the front runner. I mean, Chloe Zhao did win Best Director for both groups. Yeah. I think that's it, very it, it significant. Fine. She could it win Best fine. Director at the Oscars. And then Which you have awesome. someone 
pointing out that's because it's a you know not the same field of course it's not the same field i grant you but she might have won anyway i'd like to think i freaking love that movie i've gotten two i haven't gotten a lot of screeners this this year i did get two nomad land dvds I've gotten with, two with as well. hand-drawn art it really beautiful um it's a classic searchlight play in the sense that this is a movie that is you know whether or not people are all over the moon about it, I think it's a, a really good consensus choice compared to what, what else is out there. But something could still come along before the end of the award season. I think it's smart that, that they got their screeners out before the holidays because uh, whether or not the Oscars have been pushed back by two months, the Academy voters are in the habit of watching their screeners over the holidays. And so they'll see Nomadland, there's no question. And I think that it just hits the zeitgeist in a certain way. It just does. It, it's oh, extraordinary. I agree with that. It's, it's the most topical America. movie. It's, about it's the most topical movie. Yeah. In a weird kind of way, because it's not overtly political and it's certainly not overtly about the pandemic or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, with Borat, it it's a close number two. It's probably the most you know, timely American movie of the year. So it'll be fascinating to see how that conversation develops because people get sick of hearing about the same movies over and over again. And I wonder, it's, it, it seems like a hard movie for any kind of negative campaigning to go after. I don't know how you topple that. I mean, obviously you have McDormand won before, so that's the McDormand thing. thing but which is the, why I think Viola Davis is, is so strong. But there, there are those who think that the Viola Davis performance goes over the top, too. So, uh, you know, it's all I can do. I Intentionally, mean, I, call, I think. <laughs> I talk to various people uh, when I can. Uh, I, I'm in touch with various people. So, But it's just a sliver of, of the numbers of people I would have ordinarily been getting information yeah. from. You can't work the room in the same kind no. of way. That, and, and get people up to. Up, when people are slightly loaded at an open bar, they tend <laughs> to, to really tell you what you what they think, which is always fun. I mean, it's always interesting when you hear from people who don't ordinarily have a platform, you know, a, a craftsperson or whatever. They really, you know, they, these votes matter and they really have strong opinions that sometimes differ from what you hear critics and pundits saying all season long. So so the other movie that that, I, that we both caught up with is Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah. So why don't we get into this? Because yeah, we have a whole bunch the, of Christmas movies. Let's do the movies. Christmas movies. So, so this movie, that. this movie, just so you know, I mean, the Warner Brothers, um, so that each time a studio's finally gets its act together to to give you a movie to watch on a platform uh screener platform so there's an fyc warner brothers thing and i i got the app i got it up on my tv totally glitchy it must be super hd right i had to watch it on my computer yeah, oh well, no come on you know blasphemy but, I have a monitor. I have a nice big monitor and, and, and sound and everything. But it, For it, this it, $150 million blockbuster. But it's sure. just not. I mean, it, here's, I don't know, whatever you think of it, Eric, I can tell you this movie would have been an enormous box office hit. Way more than Tenet, way more than Mulan. This one would have played. And it's yeah, really those too were, bad. Those were not great movies either. I mean, some blockbusters do better than others, but I was really just exhausted by the mediocrity of this movie <laughs> i wanted to like i'll tell you what i like the first 15 odd minutes of, of eight the 80s colors those kind of superman 2 vibes or whatever the way that it was sort of playing off of that was was really fun it starts strong 
And then it sags into this completely ludicrous plot. I started referring to the, the, the bad guy as a wish monster because the whole threat of the movie is that you can wish for stuff, which is basically like a boiled down, watered down version, let's say, of Thanos. I mean, it just felt, it's the again, usual megalomaniac wants yeah. power, goes wild. Now, and, Pedro, but he's played by Pedro Pascal. And Pedro Pascal is one of the great actors we've got working right now. He is sexy. He's he's charming. He makes this villain. You, you in a weird way, you're rooting for him to figure out how to get out of his situation so that he yeah, can he's be supposed a good to be a dad. tragic character. Well, yeah. he's sort of he's designed as sort of this '80s Donald Trump who actually has a soul, like as if as if somebody there's still like a that soul. Was... It's disappearing fast, but the right. point of the movie is that you're rooting for him to recover his soul. But it's and, just, he, I, and eventually I... he does. But I, spoiler, well, spoiler alert. alerts, but it doesn't matter because you know where this movie's heading the whole time. It's, and even but so that he rises to this occasion. Yeah. I mean, I he is so entertaining. I was just riveted to him. And and I, I, I think I think it's like we could go back and look at Heath Ledger, you know, in oh, in, God. Uh, in Batman, you know, the, no in Dark way. Knight. We could we could go back. Who did win a posthumous Oscar for a supporting villain? Uh, but others like Jack Nicholson and uh, or someone like Kevin Spacey and Superman did not. So I I'm, I'm, I think there is a, a possibility, a very remote possibility. I thought it was a very over the top performance to in a very over the top to, movie. I loved though. it. I loved it. it Mandalorian. Mandalorian has turned him into a huge star. Even which is ironic because you barely see him. I mean, eventually, he doesn't really eventually when it's off. you see him. That's it pays you off. There's and, one and, episode in the season where you see him quite a bit, but I didn't think he emoted that did much. Did you see the finale yet? I did see that's you're right. You're right. The finale has the a last tiny two bit episodes there. there. The yeah. finale I thought was ludicrous, by the way. Oh, in Mandalorian? Yeah, just oh, absolutely no, I for absurd. It. I totally absolutely fell for absurd. it. The cameo at the end looked oh, I loved it. to me. CG so Mark forced. or whatever. Go ahead. No yeah, spoiler. Whatever. I, I'm not I, I'm committed to it because I'm fascinated by the technology and the world building and, and with a gazillion of these things coming out of the success of this show. I'm sure some will be better than others and creating new. I applaud you for so being willing great. to watch Mandalorian. <laughs> some I enjoy some, some, some of us are too highbrow to 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 uh, I like the, to such um, pleasures. I like the Robert Rodriguez episode. He dir- he directed a really good action showdown, and I know he's involved with this um, Boba Fett spinoff. So I'm super curious to That's see exciting. how that goes. Yeah, um, and the Ahsoka Tan uh, or Ahsoka Tano spinoff with Rosario Dawson looks promising. Whatever Justin Simeon is cooking up on Lando, I mean, there, there's stuff about that world building that I love. You know, I love the concept of transmedia and that came up, Absolutely. you know, 20 years ago about the start. It's just, it's cool. It's just, you know, it rises and falls I on just the basis love, of the storytelling. Here's the thing. You, you, you got excited at the idea that Mara, that Maria Bakalova had arrived as some kind of entity. And, and we'll see, we'll see if this is just a one shot thing or whether she becomes uh, somebody who has a career here. Um, but, but to, to, it is exciting whenever there, whether, whether or not I, I'm, I'm being fanciful about supporting actor. I'm serious, actually, but um, it, uh, others may not be. <laughs> well, I, I do. I do get excited by that moment when you recognize that a star is born. He's not a TV star. He's a movie star now. 
Well, it's interesting. I mean, Maria Bakalova was like doing something really crazy and subversive performatively. And with, with him, I suppose you could argue that what he's doing is taking a risk by letting his definitive role be defined by something that you don't see him a lot with. And yet it seems to be working anyway. So there, there is value in that. And I think it's interesting because we live in a, a weird moment for movie stardom in general. Like you need something more than just being a pretty face for people to really appreciate you. What's going so, on is that a lot of people's stardom is being defined by television and moving back and forth, Viola Davis being a perfect example. Yeah, visibility and is crucial. It's so, a thing now. Nicole right, Kidman, so we, Meryl so Streep, they're all on television now. That's true. To, to varying degrees of success. Yeah, yeah some of them yeah. doing better than others there. But uh, yeah, so we have a bunch of other Christmas movies. We've talked about Soul. So... Soul is, a, I think, is an interesting example. So it didn't win Best Animated Feature from either of the critics groups. I went to Wolf Walkers. Critics really love that movie. I like they Wolf see Walkers. Soul as the front runner. I think that's Soul why I love Wolf, Wolf Walkers. So, it's I love Tom Kell and 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 the Celtic. Uh, is that it? have I got his name right? Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And, and Tom Moore and um, Tom Moore and the Celtic uh, yeah. setting. Yeah, I like. But I like. I work. love the art in that movie, but I do think Soul is is, is a superior uh, work as a whole. And I think that once it's on Disney Plus, people will see why it's just it works so well. It's beat so beautifully beat. done. So that's going to be fun to see people catch up on it. I, I think it's that to me should be the number one. Fine if you, you're excited about Wonder Woman, but make time for Soul first. I would be predicting Soul to take over Nomadland for Best Picture if there wasn't such an enormous group number of people in the Academy who don't like animation <laughs> and root against Which it. Which is just so embarrassing. It's just we'll a have, thing. We'll have it, to keep reminding Live them action that. actors don't necessarily support animation. That's and that's the biggest silly. branch of the Academy. Even when it's Jamie Foxx, huh? He's so He's good. pretty good. He's pretty good. And, and, well, and then we have Nine One Nine Miami. So that one, we also talked about a bit, is coming out uh, after really strong response on the festival circuit in the fall. And uh, it's just a really good story behind it. It's sympathetic. It has a sort of relationship to Soul because of Kemp Powers you know, writing both and, and he's sort of the author. But this is truly sorts. his own, his own creation. Right. He, he wrote the play uh, back, back in 2013. It, it debuted in LA and he took it to London and he took it to, but it never made it to Broadway. And finally he, he decided, okay, I'll, I'll go for making it a film. And he, he had the backing of, of the Sam Cooke uh, estate and, and he, um, really um, transformed it into something different for a movie, which is what you have to do to make it work. And they and they got together with Regina King, who was making her debut after having made a lot of doc, uh, one doc and 12 episodic episodes of TV heading in this direction. And uh, yeah, she did a solid job. She she did a really good job with something that's very a very high degree of difficulty to get uh, four men in a room uh, for you know most of it is in a hotel room and that's hard to pull off. Yeah, it's visually compelling. I mean, it's it's a it's a it doesn't feel like uh, compared to Montrainey actually it doesn't feel quite as much like a play because of 
the angles and so forth. There's some, and there's use of mirrors and different kinds of moments where you really feel like they opened it up. It's 1964, but it feels, it, yeah. do, it feels more contemporary than Ma Rainey, which is back in the twenties and has that, that August Wilson language, but uh, it's cool. I mean, you have Cassius Clay and Malcolm X and Sam Cooke and, and Jim Brown duking it out in various different uh, ways, uh, arguing about what the role of uh, black men should be and powerful black men should be in a, in a racist society and it was pretty it's it's pretty compelling it, it's one of those movies that sticks with you after you've seen it it doesn't go away you remember it. unlike unlike tom hanks reading the news across the oh American stop West. i liked news of the world it's a news western of the world. i will say if tom hanks read the news every day we'd be in a much cozier society just get rid of fox news and all the, the Newsmax and all that stuff. Just let Tom Hanks tell you what's happening in the world. We'd be he happier. could be our that's Walter it. Cronkite. <laughs> yes, who, that's yes. who we're missing right now. Yeah. I, I, just, I, would, I, I find Tom Hanks very reassuring and, 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 and lovely. It's a subtle that's performance. That's his essence. And He's fine in the movie. I thought the movie was fine. I was just underwhelmed by it. It's beautiful. Just, and it's also pretty, about yeah. something. I mean, it's about what sure. we're worrying about right now, which is what is the source of our news. Who yeah, is in I mean, I, you, of our could, news. you could extract that from him, but I didn't feel that as I was watching the movie. I felt like it was sort of like a watered down kind of, um, you know, true grit type of a thing with the it's kind of father daughter story. Yeah, the sort of jaded cowboy riding across the landscape with this younger child and, and you know, developing a chemistry with her. And I will say there's a really good shootout which features Michael Cabino, the director and star of The Climb. I liked that sequence quite a bit. It's it was good. a good showdown. In fact, at one point I was thinking as it started, I was like, oh my God, is this whole movie going to be a shootout? Because Greengrass would totally make that movie. Like, just go for an hour and just keep the shootout going. He it delivered. You that. remember it, the it Greengrass that movie. Absolutely. He is a great, he is an action director and he did change the way that he shoots and the way that he... Uh, um, frames uh, the camera. It, it, it isn't a herky-jerky handheld movie. It's very classical in, in a certain kind of way, but he goes for it during that uh, action Yeah, he sequence. needed more of that, I thought. That was sort of what... In any case, I'm sure that, that some people like you will find... I was very moved by it. I was sure. crying and stuff. Sure. And so, you know, whatever. Well, let's come back to a movie that we got to chat about way back in Berlin in the, in the olden times, which is Pinocchio coming out on Christmas. That's a movie that I think it's going to be funny to see what happens when, when families, they get through soul and they're like, what else can we put on for the kids? Oh, there's a new Pinocchio. Let's put it on. And then Pinocchio gets hung within the first half hour. And you're like, uh, should we keep going? Yeah, it's you dark. should. It's, it's dark. dark it's and actually, scary, but it's good. It's for grownups. It's for grownups and, and, uh, but I mean, and, and sophisticated kids, you know? Yeah. I, I spoke to Garone about this. He, you know, this movie opened in, in, in Matteo Garone, obviously. How did it do in Italy? It did pretty well. I mean, obviously it wasn't the Oscar submission, but it was a commercial success and it opened in the UK over the summer and did pretty well there. So it's, it's had a solid life. He, he believes this is a movie that, that kids, you know, 10 or so can watch. That's fair. The darkness of the movie, I think he makes a good point. The darkness of this movie is what makes it a cautionary tale. That Pinocchio rebels of sorts. He doesn't listen to the people who care about him and all this horrible stuff happens to him. And then he kind of becomes more responsible. So it's a coming of age story of sorts, but also using practical effects, amazing makeup. It's, it's That's really the high well point for me is the supporting characters are animals 
and there, there's this real practical uh, makeup and extraordinary. It's very theatrical, really, as, and as very a trippy. stage, and a lot of, of whiskers and, and yeah, heads. Yeah, the snail. And, there's a, and a human this, sized incredible snail. snail. All this great slimy uh, creative uh, stuff that only uh, they only the Europeans can pull this off the way they it's do. A, well, I would love to see like a Japanese version of this story. Sure. The, the, sure. The uh, yeah, this movie if, is is the psychedelic Christmas experience. I you, mean, you could totally get high and watch uh, this. You, it's it's wild. Yeah, as you watch it, get like, some take some edibles in front yes, of the exactly. Christmas tree and watch this. <laughs> exactly, it's it's sort of like it's that slot. You know, if you if, if Pixar is maybe a little too sincere, you want something with a little bit more bite. This falls right into it. <laughs> so I have to admit, my my blind spot is promising young woman. I still haven't seen it. Should I make time over the holidays for Definitely, this Definitely, Eric. Uh, you might go for it. Up. You might go for it. I like Carrie Mulligan in most cases. She's I mean, I always good, and she's great in this. This is my issues with this. Uh, here's the thing. Emerald Fennell is a great discovery. There's no question about it. She's going to go far. She's a showrunner. She's a, an actress in The Crown. She plays uh, Prince Charles's love, Camilla. You know, she's she's obviously going places. Uh, the next uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, if you like. But, hmm. but a promising, um, when I say promising young woman might not make it at the oscars that doesn't mean that i don't like the movie or i don't think that it that uh, emerald Fennell and carrie mulligan are terrific talents all right i'll try to make time i'll be tracing around the snow quite a bit trying to clear my head a bit for another year of movies but if there's a free moment i'll, I'll work it into my schedule and next week we will be on vacation we'll have a special episode recorded in advance but technically this is our last episode sort of tied into the news cycle of 2020 and i have to tell you and it's been a weird ride but it's certainly been a memorable one and you know i couldn't uh, couldn't have gotten this far without these weekly conversations with you so thanks for uh oh, thanks for thank trying you, to keep Eric. me sane you know what uh, for whatever reason um i'm in love with my indie team and uh you're 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 a very important part of that so. it just keeps chugging along all right have a good one in Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.